Welcome to the dive table. I'm Jay Gardner, and with me, I'm super excited today, is our first co-host of this brand new season, season two, and it's someone that I have been so excited to bring alongside and co-host, and we just had like an amazing conversation prior to hitting record, so too bad. We should have hit record. But with me, uh, without further ado, is Miss Sarah Miller. Sarah, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm excited to be here. A little bit nervous. I was just sharing that with you. Um, but I'm excited. Some of you listening may know me from my YouTube channel that is all about scuba diving uh, called Asul Unlimited. So this is a new sort of uh, role for me, you know, going for this flowing conversation thing. So I'm excited. Yeah, it's either going to be a you know a flaming dumpster fire or it's going to be super fun. I, we'll find out, right? So stay tuned. Like you can, well, we should put a poll up that says like, is it a? It, how did we do? Was it you know a dumpster fire or like you know good? Can it can it be both though? I feel like <laughs> I feel like it could be both. Like yeah. I'm pretty good at managing chaos. Um, you know, living in a van, that's uh, sort of my, you know, the best place for me. There you go. We'll see. Then we can have like or all of the above. You know, that's the that's always the answer on the test. All of the above, right? Like there we um, go. Actually, I heard this really weird test taking strategy. They said that usually the right answer is the one with the most words by like number. I've heard that. Have you heard that before? Yep. Yeah. It's interesting. I've heard that. Yeah. I wonder if that's still the case. It's been so long since I've taken a real test. That's not like from Patty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what, we should, we should like, it would be funny to commission a little study on, on that to see if it's true of, of diving exams in general. That would be very funny or very interesting. Actually not funny. Yeah, I wonder if that's true. Yeah. Hmm. Well, Could good. Be. And producer Daniel is here, uh, so that means we're recording another episode. And if you didn't catch the uh, the lead up to this, um, you can actually hear producer Daniel's voice and see producer Daniel's bald head, um, if you would like, on an, a whole episode we did on the lead up to season two. And so today, we wanted to kick off season two of the show in much the same way that we kicked off season one about a year ago this time, which is crazy to say that it's been a year. And we wanted to revisit probably what I think is the most vital of all scuba-related questions, which is, is scuba diving special? Because, I mean, if it isn't special, what the hell are we doing here, right? I mean, come on, what are you all doing, like, producing podcasts and going diving and spending our last penny on our, our last fill? Like, if it's not special, then then like, why are we doing it? You know? And so I'm really excited about this topic and, and to start season two this way. And I think probably we'll start every season this way because it's worth revisiting this question multiple times to make sure that, Hey, is this still special? So I'm excited. Uh, how about you? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, you know, for myself, it's, it's kind of funny that you wanted to start out with this because as a dive professional, this industry has like really slapped me around quite a bit. It's been rocky at times <laughs> and yet I keep coming back. Like I made a video, um, in my, uh, most recent like van life scuba diving vlog series about like 
am I a masochist? You know, like <laughs> things haven't really worked out all the time and yet I keep coming back and there's definitely a reason for that. So I don't know, either it's special or there's something wrong with me. <laughs> Maybe we'll get to the bottom of that today. I don't know. <laughs> Sarah may walk away and say, I'm not coming back for any more episodes. I, I'm going to counseling after, after being with you. I'm, I'm done. done. Yeah. I need so therapy. <laughs> that would be the, that would be the fourth option on the, the quiz that we have at the end of this. Um, Sarah's going to there therapy. There you go. Um, well, good. Before we we get too deep into the topic, maybe Sarah, you can you know if you don't know Sarah, you don't remember Sarah. Sarah was a guest of ours on season one and talked all about um, her kind of experience as a pro and kind of shifting um, her perspective on how to approach that. Uh, everything from being a dive shop shop owner uh, all the way from dive master instructor. Um, owner and now, you know, really trying to explore alternative ways to, to really educate folks and to make scuba integrated into life. And so I love that conversation. If you didn't catch it, you can go back to season one and look for our interview with uh, Sarah Miller from Azul Unlimited. But before we get too far, because you are now the co-host for the next three episodes. So this is no longer an interview. This is you in the co-host seat. I wanted to to maybe give if you can or wondered if you can give the listeners out there in our scuba verse a little more just about you, Sarah. Like what makes you tick? The highlights uh, of who you are. Oh my goodness! Uh, yeah, I mean, so let's see. Going back before scuba diving, I worked in the wine industry, so that was like my career. I did that for many years, traveling the world, um, and then I found scuba diving and. I decided to make even less money as a professional. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I did my dive master, uh, open water through dive master in Thailand. I came back or I went back to California and found out that I knew nothing about diving uh, because, you know, Thailand, Koh Tao, it's, it's beautiful, but it's not challenging, you know? So going into no visibility, cold water surge, you know, all this stuff, I learned so much. Um, and then I became a professional and decided to really take a leap of faith. You know, um, I moved to Mexico to teach scuba diving and yoga, and I wanted to just see what would happen. And from that, you know, I worked around Mexico, um, eventually got tired of working for people because of some of the challenges of this industry and uh, opened a dive shop in Indonesia. And that's a soul unlimited. That's where that came from. Uh, Then through COVID, everything closed down. Indonesia was closed for over two years So it was a really big struggle. Um, We eventually sold the business and the boat and everything. Uh, We're working in partnership with that business. So you can follow them at Asul Komodo. And um, I'm hoping to actually head over there and take a group diving in Komodo, hopefully 2024. That's sort of the goal. I'm getting into um, guiding trips now. So that's a really exciting thing. But basically through the shutdown, I I got into teaching scuba diving on YouTube and it's been such a cool sort of thing because it's molded from, you know, teaching little skills and whatever to now I live in a van. I've been living in a van for two years and, uh, you know, sharing some of my adventures in that as well, you know, kind of vlog style. Um, so it's been 
a lot of fun and nothing that I ever expected to do. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, and I mean, you know, the one of the reasons that I um, or we reached out to you about being a co-host is if you can't hear it in her experience already, um, Sarah has a ton of experience, but brings a, a unique perspective because of that experience and because of who she is. And so, um, you know, that was one of the main reasons I was so excited was, was that I think you just have a voice in this whatever you want to call it, Scubaverse or, uh, yeah, I don't know. We call it the Scubaverse, but in the scuba world that's fine. that you have a, you have a, a voice and it's an important one. And so it, when literally you were the first person when we were like, okay, who could be, uh, you know, a co-host for this season it was like, Sarah, we got to reach out to Sarah, see if she's interested because I think that, uh, that the voice is important. So now that we've, we've got the niceties out of the way, now we get into the nuts and bolts of like, actually co-hosting the season together <laughs> or these three Let's episodes. So I think we're, we're, we're good to go. You ready? You ready to jump into this topic? Vamanos. Let's do it. A podcast for scuba divers everywhere. Take your seat at the dive table with your hosts, Jay Gardner and Sarah Miller. All right. So, uh, along with the season two changes, I think, uh, the flow of the, the episodes will be a little bit different. I wanted to start each episode out in this first segment here and just setting things up. So the question here really is, so what is the landscape of scuba in terms of demographics and statistics? I mean, it's, it's tough to come by because there's not a lot of, you know, research. Um, that is done about scuba specifically. There are some pieces of research that you can, you can look at, but it's not necessarily, you know, a, a heavily researched industry. We'll put it that way. Um, and so I want to kind of lay out what the landscape is. If we're going to answer, if it's special, we need to understand what the landscape is. And so I pulled some stats. Some of these come from different places, but I wanted to throw the stats out there so that we, we have them and then we can react to them. So, the first one is, if you didn't know, which was somewhat surprising to me, there are somewhat, or somewhere around the neighborhood of two and a half million active scuba divers. And active is defined by went diving in the last 12 months, which I think is a debatable definition, but we're not, we're not getting to commentary yet. But they went diving in the last 12 months um, in a pool. No, I'm kidding. In the U.S. at least. So two and a half in the U.S. And they estimate something like six million active divers worldwide. So that's uh that's a pretty big um you know group of folks out there when you think about it and it it sounds crazy that you see the same people on the on the boat um you know that you saw last year but uh but at the same time this is from kind of the sports and fitness industry association that there were um 2.588 million active divers in 2020 was the the latest study that they did was 2020, which was probably a weird year as well, um, you know, in terms of the stats. So lots of people right. out there. There's a bit, big landscape, right? Um, or apparently. Well, I mean, you look at diving within the last 12 months. That includes people that, like you said, I mean, just like dip their body in the water for one day, you know? So it's... I'm sure the active, what we would consider active, is a heck of a lot smaller. Yeah. 
Like what what where where would your line in the sand to say like that's an active diver versus a not act or a semi active? <laughs> I don't know what the word would be there. I I would say anyone who um like at least in places where there is access to water, like anyone that dives in their home place, right? Like you know a lot of divers that go and they travel and they go diving, you know, once a year or whatever, I wouldn't necessarily call, you know, once or twice a year, I wouldn't say like super active. Um, I don't know. It's, it's hard to judge that one, but, um, cause you know, people that can travel a lot, they could go on trips and dive often in tropical places. Good for you. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I kind of think of people that are active within a community, you know, that, that's what I, my experience with it is of like California or like an amazing community that I got to know this summer when I was traveling in the Pacific Northwest is Seattle of all places. Like I did not expect the amazing diver community in Seattle and the diving there is actually very cool too. Like it's dark and cold, but it's very cool. (laughs) (laughs) So that, that's kind of what I, that's what I think of, of like being a part of a community, you know? Yeah, I mean, so I, I really like the way that you define community there because, for example, I live here in Texas and we're, we don't have access necessarily to ocean water, right? So unless you live in the Gulf, but, uh, you know, it's always, it goes without saying Texas is a big state. You know, I live in the middle. If you drive eight hours west, you're still in Texas. <laughs> you drive five hours east, you're still in Texas. And so, you know, we don't have exactly the, the easy ocean access. But there are a ton of active divers and we dive rivers and lakes and springs and things. And there is a community and and you get to know people. And so I think, yeah, for me, active is, you know, when your gear is, you know, dry, but it's not been dry for long, right? Maybe that's that's the best way to put it is like your last dive wasn't like maybe it's once a month. Um you know, I, I always think like for me, if I'm going to say active, it's like once a week, that's where I like to be, you know, and that's maybe way over. Um, but I like to at least be in the water once a week. Like that's my goal always. And, and if I can go twice a week, I'll pull it off. Right. You go on a Tuesday evening and you go, you know, sunset diving and, and night diving and then Saturday morning or Sunday morning when you can pull it off. So, so yeah, I don't know, you know, last 12 months took a dive, there's a lot of people that would fall into that category, but then the, maybe exactly. we're in the fanatics. Like there's an active and then there's the fanatics category. <laughs> like that's where we're at. But regardless, two people. and a half million <laughs> people is, yeah. is quite a, quite a bit of people that, that, um, at least are, are getting in the water and getting wet and, you know, whether it's on a vacation or not, it's pretty surprising just in the U S and 6 million worldwide took a dive in the last 12 months, according to, a lot of people to to reach out to you know like talking of you know the podcast or like my youtube channel you think about it like wow there's actually like a lot of people that this could be real you know relatable to so yeah it's kind of cool and we only get the the fanatics or the trolls no i'm just kidding (laughs) (laughs) so getting into maybe what is an open water diver more demographically speaking versus a uh, diver in continuing education. Continuing education simply was defined as, you know, took at least another course outside of their open water. 
So open water participants age, the mean was around 30, so 29.7, and the median was 26. So that was, I was surprised. That was younger than I thought. Um, I, I thought maybe you get into it later. That's maybe because I got into it later in life. Um, but yeah, around 26 to 30 is when people start diving in the U.S., which is kind of interesting. I think that, I think that makes sense, to be honest, because especially in the last, you know, 15 years, um, more people are taking that time to travel, you know, and that's scuba diving has become one of those things that you like want to go do. It's like skydiving, you know, you got to go at least try it. So I think with the increase in like travel and availability of it, um, accessibility of it, uh, I, I could see that. You know, and when you're in your late 20s, early 30s, you have like a little bit of money unless you've been irresponsible and chosen a career that doesn't <laughs> support that. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, you, you're starting to like be able to do that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's a good point. You're, you're right out of college or a few years out of college. Maybe you got your first real job, quote unquote. Right. And. You know, yeah, it's I, I. It's true. I run into a lot of people that go like, "Oh yeah, I, I'm certified." Like, "Oh really? Awesome!" Like, "Let's go diving." Well, the last time I went diving was like when I was, you know, 33. Oh, okay. Um, maybe we should uh, get in the pool first if you want to go diving. And most of the people don't take me up on it, right? I'm always like, I'm willing, willing yeah. to get in an open water profile with pretty much anybody. You know, like, let's do it. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I'll make sure everything's, you know, I'm safe. And let's go diving. Let's reintroduce you to the underwater world. Um, okay, gender, interesting one. Uh, surpri- not surprisingly, right now, according to these stats, <laughs> yeah, it, it should be right. Sixty um, percent male, thirty nine percent female. I think one percent chose not to uh, not to report. So yeah, I mean, if this, unfortunately, you know, I can't speak to the details here because I am a man. So I'm part of that 60%. But, um, you know, this, this squares with what you see on a dive boat or what you see at a dive site. A lot of times is it's uh, a lot of dudes um, for the most part, which is interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm curious your take on this because I, I don't think that that's the way it has to be or it will stay, but that's the way it is right now. Yeah. I don't think that it's going to stay that way. Um, you know, there's, especially because of social media, there are some, some of us, you know, that are getting out. We have the girls that scuba account. That's huge. You know, that's always, um, helping women to get into the water. Uh, but there's also, you know, us kind of random individuals that are pushing, you know, like pushing to be seen, to be heard, uh, and to be taken seriously, you know, because, I think for a long time and still today, we're, we're not taken seriously. You know, it's still, um, I would say that it's still a shock to some divers when they see really knowledgeable, you know, female tech instructors or like, um, I torn J from dive ninja expeditions just did their, uh, rebreather certification. And that was done with, um, Marissa Eckert, I believe. Mm-hmm is her name. And she's, I mean, like, so such a, can I curse on this? Yeah, sure. Why not? Is that allowed? Like, she's such a badass, you know? (laughs) Um, And so like, 
we're starting to be seen more, especially because of the help of social media. And I think, um, especially with the new wave of younger people coming in, uh, you know, it's, we're going to have more of the space moving forward, which I think we need because there's just so much, I don't know. It's a lot of social stuff, right? Talking about like male dominated spaces. Um, but I think it's really important to advocate for people that, you know, don't have the space yet. You know, we were talking about before, um, not only gender, you know, female, non-binary, trans, like LGBTQ, people of color, you know, we just like want to open the doors of scuba to absolutely everyone. Cause why shouldn't it be, you know? Right. Um, so yeah, I don't know. That's when I look at these numbers um, and we'll continue to talk through them. Like that's, I see the lack of diversity and I'm, you know, one of those people amongst many that are trying to push that, like, let's get this, let's make this accessible to everyone because just about anyone can dive, you know, yep. it's, it's incredible. Yep. Yeah. I think it's an interesting conversation because for example, I mean, I don't have the credentials of uh, being able to speak intelligibly uh, about intelligibly. There we go. Intelligibly. I can't even say the word. Uh, so obviously I don't have the credentials, but, uh, but uh, <laughs> about, you know, the, the gender divide, because I fall into uh, the category that is, you know, the majority. So it, it obviously my, my words are not as impactful because they don't come from experience. They come from observation or, or more empathy rather than uh, experience. But I'm a girl dad. I have three girls. I was raised. I always joke. I was raised by women. I've been training my whole life to be a girl dad. So, I mean, my, my family, my, my mom's the youngest of five girls and the, the women ruled period in, in our family. Right. And so I've been training my whole life to, to be a girl dad and observing that. And I think, I think you're right. I think it's, um, it's not just that there is a, a space for diversity. And, and we're talking not just women versus men, but we're also talking um, people of color. I'm a person of color, right? Um, I'm a, I'm a Filipino Asian American, right? Um, and people that are, you know, in society sometimes, on the fringes, right? Like you mentioned the, the LGBTQ um, community. Diving is, is not a, a place for, you know, that, that needs a social or political stamp on it, right? It's a recreational thing that we all can enjoy. And water makes up most of the earth we live on, right? And so it's something that we, uh, that, that doesn't necessarily require um, uh, an access question, a, a beautiful golf course, for example, um, in your community. And so I, I do think that these stats um, may be what it is, but aren't representative of where it can go. And I agree, there are some incredible um, divers out there who don't fit this particular mold of the of the median or the or the or the mean here. And I think uh, I, I love diving with them. I love training with them. I mean, a couple of people that come to my mind, Kim Cardenas, who's out in uh, California. Oh my gosh. Um, just an incredible diver. 
um, doing incredible things and so knowledgeable, blows me out of the water. She was actually a student in during my IDC and just gave me the runner. I mean, she was so good that she could like, I was like, is that Kim or is that like, I don't know if I, I don't know if I can actually correct her on something under the water. It was like, uh, you know, maybe that's just how she dies. That's how you're supposed to do it because she's not just acting. And then she, we get out of the water. Of course, she was just acting. And I'm like, oh, I thought maybe like, I was so worried like that I was going to, you know, correct Kim on something because she's she's that good of a diver. I mean, you know, um, and so, there, you know, there's there's I mean, out of under the jungle. Right. Uh, um, incredible uh, stuff that's going on down there. Oh I got God. a chance to train. Yes. Um, their last year and uh, you know we and we had had them on the show for a, a couple of episodes which was amazing so I don't think that you know that's the way it's going to stay but that's the way it is uh, at least according to these stats and of course you know statistics are always wrong um, they're they're just a, a snapshot but I hope I hope that there and I think that maybe maybe there is an episode for us to do later at some point on well, what is that? Because I've heard a lot of things around also the, the comfortability. Um, for example, I coach a few women and there is a comfortability. I remember the, the question I got asked that um, I had no idea how to answer was how do you put on a dry suit with a ponytail with long hair? And I was like, I don't know because I've never done it, but I have lots of people I can ask. And this is just a silly question because it's not a male or female question. It's just a hair question, right? Um, but – but in confidence, you know, we, you know, I've heard from a lot of folks about, um, or women is particular in diving about feeling uncomfortable, right, on a dive boat or feeling uncomfortable around their, um, you know, dive team or dive buddies um, and, and feeling like the industry in a lot of ways isn't built for them, right, from a gear perspective or from a, you know, marketing perspective. So again, if you're out there and you, you know, are, uh, an agent of change. I, I do believe that there's change. And I think Sarah, you, you can disagree or agree with this, but I think it's also a responsibility for those that have that voice to be out there. And, and I think there's a lot of pioneers right now that are like yourself, Sarah, not to toot your own horn, but that are truly pioneering a new path forward that, you know, how many years, I don't know, five years, three years, 10 years. I don't know what the time frame is. But these stats will look very different and hopefully look much more balanced than they look today. Hell yeah. That's oh. <laughs> exactly what I want to see. <laughs> like, <laughs> desperately. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, to add on to this, the other stats here are, you know, um, usually annual household income, 70% of them make between $100,000 and $150,000 a year. So again, money's relative. We're just, let's do money, religion, and politics today. Like that, that's how we should start season two, right? That's the right way to do it. Like all of the faux pas at Thanksgiving dinner, we should start with, um, yeah. including if you're hearing right now, my dog barking in the background. Um, so he, he agrees. So again, I don't know what rich is versus not, but this seems like a, a good chunk of change. Like you're not hurting um, to, to be making that much. And this is in the U.S., um, so we can say scuba right now skews more middle class, upper middle class um, than it does skew other directions. Yeah. And I mean, that makes sense. Like you think about 
the sports that, I mean, it costs a lot of money to go scuba diving. It's a lot of equipment. Um, when you go on boats, there's a lot of people to pay. There's a lot of maintenance to take care of, you know, for the companies. Um, you know, I, I think we were talking before we recorded about like how, when you're looking on the outside, you don't realize all the the details that go into things. You know, we were talking about making a podcast or a YouTube video, video. but I think a lot of people that go diving occasionally, they kind of look at the price tag and they're like, Oh my gosh, $150 to go out on the boat. And it's like, well, you don't see everything that goes into it. Right. right. Um, so it is an expensive sport. But I mean, coming from the perspective of someone who has literally never made $100,000 a year, like even in my best jobs, I think my max was 60. And like that felt pretty, pretty good. Um, well, at least living in a van, it felt really great. If I was trying to make rent in California, it probably wouldn't have right. felt so great. <laughs> um, but, you know, I... Uh, for the most part have made significantly under that, you know, like at the moment, I, I mean, I don't know if I should disclose how much I make, but it's, you you. know, (laughs) it's, it's not a lot. Um, and I still go diving, you know, so it's, it's something that we're going to talk about in a later episode, but, um, you know, it doesn't have to be this barrier, you know, not making that, amount of money, it is possible to get in the water and enjoy the sport without, you know, the best, the fanciest equipment. Obviously you need to be safe and have stuff that works, but you don't need to have all the, the newest, whatever. Um, if you're in a place where there's different kinds of diving, you know, there's just, there's a way to bring it into your life without having to spend a ton of money. And so, um, I think this, this number is a little scary. You know, if I were looking at that as like a new, um, diver, I'd be like, Oh gosh, I can't maintain this, you know? Um, but like you absolutely can. Yeah. Yeah. I think too, one of the stigmas of, of getting into diving is the cost of it. Right. And, and it's a real stigma because I mean, I lived that. I remember thinking to myself, like, I really want to go diving and learn how to dive but it's too expensive. Like, I don't even know, you know, I, I to even get the gear. It's too expensive, but surprisingly it, it isn't the barrier to entry. Isn't as large as you may think, right. At least the, you know, you don't, like you said, you know, I think that sometimes we conflate, you know, life support gear with life saving gear. And the idea is you shouldn't skimp and, and save and do it on a budget. Like if you're a diver, you should be, making this amount of money and you shouldn't worry about what it costs, right. To buy your gear. I don't think that's true. I mean, I've worked with a lot of my students, for example, on how do we get the highest quality thing um, for the best price that's going to last you. Right. And how do we make that modular that it's going to build and last you for 10 years, right. And you're diving, you're going to use it every dive. There's a lot of people that spend a lot of money on things that sit in, you know, dry bags and sit on the shelf because, you know, they're convinced that magnetic widget that held your keys was the right thing to get for 20 bucks. Right. And, and obviously it's not. And so, uh, I think that, that with, um, some guidance and, and, uh, you know, the, the place that I always say don't skimp on is don't skimp on your training. 
Like that, you should not be yeah. budget shopping for your tech one card. Like I'm, you know, it, that that's just not <laughs> a smart, it doesn't compute. Like, and, and, and unfortunately yeah. in it's been the opposite in the industry in some ways in that we've, we've said, don't budget shop your gear, but we'll offer courses super cheap. And it, in my view, it should be the opposite, right? Budget shop the heck out of your gear as long as it's maintained and serviced, right? Well, and don't skimp a penny on your training because the training is actually what is going to make you safe, not the gear. You can have the best gear in the world and be an absolute train wreck under the water and you're not going to be safe, right? And so at that point, like the gear isn't the primitive piece of it. And right now, unfortunately, you get you can get, I should say, not always, but you can get really shitty training at a really low cost and that makes you feel unsafe. So you buy gear to feel safer and the gear is not going to solve it. And so then you stop diving. So what I would say is flip the script, yeah. right? Like find, spend the money on, you know, the, your, your entry level money should be on amazing training. And I'm talking like an open water course that costs a thousand dollars. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, uh, you know, or $1,500, $2,000. It's not a crazy amount of money. I'm not saying like spend $10,000 to get your open water. You know, no, it's like, you know, spend, spend, find a great coach or instructor who is going to charge a premium because they are great at what they do and should charge a premium and then allow them to guide you through the process of purchasing gear that's going to work for you and be modular and so on and so forth. So you, you know, you reverse, maybe you spend the same amount of money on the entry, which is somewhere in the, I would say in the ballpark to get into diving, you know, 2,500 bucks to to $5,000, depending on how crazy you want to go. Um, but you're spending that money in the right place and something that's going to last a long time. I mean, I'll just, my, my own story, you know, the model as it's set up today was I went in and, and I knew in my local shop that I got my open water in, I wanted a backplate and wing. I knew that I wanted to go towards that style of diving and I didn't know anything, but I knew I wanted a backplate and wing because I knew that that was the most modular. It was going to last me the longest. It was, it seemed to be the best to be able to custom fit it and it could grow with me. And so I went the into shop the shop owner was like, saw, saw dollar signs, you know, and they're like, yeah. Oh, let's get this guy. <laughs> yeah. No, they said, they said, what's funny is I was told, I said, I want a backplate and wing. You know, that's what I, what I, I've done all my research. I, I like to research things. And I, I always say like, if I haven't been thinking about it for six months, I'm never going to buy it. But if I've been thinking about it for six months, then I can give myself permission to buy it because, um, you know, I want to research. I want to know. I was told in my shop, Oh, you're not ready for that. Buy a very experienced, what I saw as a diver. You need to buy this other thing. And then when you're ready for that, then you can come back and buy this other thing. And at the time, I thought that was sound advice. <laughs> Looking back, obviously. So that's just a, a sales ploy to get me to spend more money. And it was complete BS. And it totally ruined the credibility of that shop in my eyes, right? I've, I've never been back, right? Mm. Um, so once all my eyes were open to that. So the idea here, again, is like, you know, it because the stats say you have to make a lot of money to be in the sport doesn't mean that that's true, right? It it is there is a barrier initially, because unfortunately you can't just like go diving without gear. <laughs> I mean, you can. It's called free diving, um, right? But don't do that without <laughs> training. So I mean, there's a you know there's a balance here. Yeah, my but God. you do have to put something in in the kitty, but it doesn't have to be you know, the newest, latest gear, most expensive thing that doesn't increase your safety. It doesn't increase your, your ability as a diver. Right. And I think what's important to mention, uh, 
you know, you, you rattled off some pretty high numbers, like for myself, the amount that I make, if I heard a course for $1,500, I'd be like, Ooh, yikes, that's not, that's not going to be possible, you know? Uh, but you know, there's a wide range there, but the important thing is that that sort that certification is a lifetime certification. It's not something that expires, you know, and you have to re up every year. Um, whereas, you know, other things you do. So that's the, the big, I think selling point for scuba diving, you know, yes, you do need to get a certification so that you know the skills and can be a safe diver, but as long as you continue to dive after the fact, like, like you have to technically, like I know tons of open water divers who have, you know, hundreds and hundreds of dives and they've never gone beyond the open water course and they love it. They're very active in the community and they never felt the need to do more because they didn't, weren't interested in going deep. Um, you know, the kind of diving that was available to them was just, you know, it's like the open water was enough. Um, so it's like, that's where kind of the cost makes sense, you know, and it, it does make it more accessible. Yeah. Yeah. We, I feel like we do a whole episode on that. We should, we should at some point do just the cost of it, but okay. So the last like bullet points here of, of stats. So 62% are managerial technical professional in their occupation. Um, about 66% of them have completed college or grad school. 99% own their own home. I found that to be a very they high number. They must not live in California. They must not live in California. I, I think yeah. they don't live. Yeah. I don't think they live in California. <laughs> yeah. They, they, they own their own home. That was interesting. And then about 79% are married. So, uh, again, this is what the stats say out in the industry according to um, these stats. And so, I mean, again, it kind of fits the mold, right, in some ways. There's not a different story here. It, or maybe it would be more shocking if it was like, 10% own their own home, right? It's kind of 99% own their own home. They're married. They finish college. They're in a managerial, technical, professional occupation. Um, are our divers. They're living right? the, uh, the quote unquote American dream. How yeah. nice. The middle, the middle <laughs> class, what do they call them? We are scuba divers are the vanishing middle class. Yet we're growing, you know, in terms of numbers. Uh. Um, that's open water. The only difference really between open water and continuing education is the age. Everything else is pretty much the same. Um, and the continuing education divers skew a little bit older. So mean was 35 and median was 33. So it makes, makes sense. sense. Get some experience and, and then you continue education. Um, speaking of California, top five states by percentage as of 2022, um, California is number one at 13.66%. Um, but that's the that's number of active divers, right? Um, that maybe dives are being made at. It could also be travel diving in California. Uh, number two was Florida. So surprise, surprise, right? These are not surprising. Number three is good old Texas at seven point seven six percent. So um, we're in we're in the mix. We're the third largest state. Um, actually, but I'm moving, so I'm going to move from the third largest to the first largest. So that will be good. Uh, moving back home. That's and exciting. Then New York's five yeah. percent. And then they lump Virginia, Maryland, and D.C. into one grouping, which I don't know how people from Virginia, Maryland, and D.C. feel about that. Uh, uh, actually, Greg Wolf, who's co-hosting later, is from Maryland. So I'm going to ask him that question. How do you feel about 
being lumped into the Maryland, DC, and Virginia mix. And probably he's going to say, I don't care, you know, but they're at 4.88% at, at number five. So not surprising. Uh, West coast, East coast, middle of the country, way East coast, North. And I don't know what the heck Virginia, Maryland, DC is doing in the mix, but they're there. <laughs> There's, uh, you know, so that's the, that's the States, uh, in terms of the U S. Yeah. I mean, makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. Nothing surprising here. Right. And then finally, other little facts, uh, recreational diving and snorkeling. So if you include snorkeling in this, it says contributes about $11 billion to the U S GDP. So that's a lot of cash. Um, well, I don't know. Probably to the GDP, it's a blip. Um, we're not. We probably don't even make the pie graph in the, in the actual reports, but it's eleven billion that goes in there. Um, and annually, some one point three eight million dives are made in California. So there are something like you know one point four million dives. Um, and in California alone, the direct expenditures. So what people were willing to spend on diving. Uh, comes in at about 161 million um, to 323 million. So this is a big number. Like you know, people spend between 161 million and 323 million. So okay, whatever. But that's the estimated. You know what people are willing to spend. Solid. So interesting. Yeah. There's our stats. That's the Scubaverse. We spent a lot of time here. But now you know the landscape, and now if you are out there ever wondering, you now can rattle off these stats just like we did. Um, tons of fun. But what are you? You know, you might have some opinions about this stuff in terms of, um, you know, what diving is and what the future of it is. But this next portion, all that is great, but that doesn't mean it's special. It just means a lot of people are doing it, and it costs some money at some point, right? So I want to get into what about diving makes it so special? And, and this is more personal. Like what about diving makes it special to you, Sarah? Like what are the aspects of it that make it special? Why do you keep doing it? I mean, is it special? And if it's, if it is, why? Right. So I want to hand the mic over to you, let you, you know, talk about your points here and, and I'll, I'll add in as I see fit. Yeah, I actually just went for a solo shore dive a couple of nights ago. Um, I do a lot of solo diving out on the road, living in the van, because, um, you know, I'm not in my local community where I have dive buddies. And uh, I was thinking about this, and honestly, it's it's that feeling of awe, you know. Uh, there are always these moments in the dive where you're just like, whoa, you know. I was out there. It was starting to get dark and um, I could hear the humpback whales singing in the distance. And it's always, it's always so exciting to hear something like that or to see something that you've always wanted to see. You just get like struck by how beautiful it is and how fortunate you are to be there experiencing it, you know? And um, I've, I've been really reading or getting into this book called The Comfort Crisis and uh, it's making me look at like my relationship to technology and the work that I do and all the time I spend on screens and whatever. And every time that I am prepping to go for a dive, you know, it's, it's going to be, you know, maybe three hours, you know, all things said and done that um, I'm just like in the moment, you know, I'm not checking things. I'm not 
working per se. Um, especially when I go, you know, for my own solo diving or diving with friends or whatever. And so that for me is the really special thing about it, you know, and I actually just got to try uh, the Choptima rebreather from Dive Right. And uh, it was, it kind of reminded me of like just the amazing environment that we're in because when you're down in open circuit and you're blowing bubbles to the surface, right. You have that sound of, um, of the bubbles and you don't realize, I mean, you know that it's loud, but you don't realize how loud it really is. And when I got into the rebreather where there's no bubbles, right. It's all closed circuit. Uh, man, I could just hear absolutely everything from like the tiniest little firing of the, the unit, you know, of things moving within the unit to everything that's out in the ocean. And that to me is what makes it so special, you know, to be in this environment that is so breathtaking, you know, people are so like they're enthralled with the sky, you know, the, the stars and the planets and everything. And I'm like, guys, there's like, literally, we don't know anything about this thing that's right here on this planet, you know? Um, so that's what I really get excited about. Um, as an instructor, why it's so, it's so special to me. I absolutely love helping people face their fears and to do something that will stick in memory forever. You know, I think that's such a special thing to be a part of for someone. Um, because all of us who have done training, we always remember our instructor you know, it's like this pivotal moment of like, you know, I wasn't doing that. And now I do this, you know, and it, it, you never forget that. And so I, I really appreciate that part of it, being a part of someone's story and getting them um, as enthralled with the ocean as I am, because ultimately that's going to lead to more people giving a shit about the planet because we all want to make sure that the ocean and the animals and everything are there for us to, you know, interact with. And for those of you that have kids that eventually your kids are going to be able to um, see the things that you've seen, you know, it's, it's important for us to um, really like nurture the next generation of ocean activists. So yeah, that's, that's why it's, special for me. Yeah. I mean, I, I really well said, and it's, I, I could almost just say ditto, not really, but close <laughs> in some ways to ditto. Uh, but I won't, I mean, really well said. And I love that aspect of just the disconnection, right. Um, from, from things and the ability to, to give to others, right. That, that getting over that fear is a gift, right? That you're giving to somebody. And I think that that's a, a beautiful, a beautiful way to frame your instruction, right? And, and your passion for that instruction, which is amazing. Um, I think for me, the, the thing that makes diving so special, I, I think people have wild spaces they connect with. Um, you know, for some people, it's the mountains or some people, it's, you know, rocks or desert or, you know, you, you hear lots of people have different areas that that when they're around that space that they just vibrate differently for whatever reason and for me it's always been around water like for whatever reason around still water it's been about, about being near water has been a very comforting place for me 
And then when I started diving, it was like, oh, this is my wild place. Like this is my nature, like that I want to be in. And yeah, you know, this, this is, this is it for me. And so for me, diving, being under the water, whether I'm in a, you know, five foot visibility lake or I'm in, you know, crystal clear waters in, um, you know, the ocean or in a, in a, in a cenote or something. Um, it's my wild. It's, it's super interesting to me, the things that live under, um, the water and the, the underwater experience of, you know, everything from plant life to the actual geography of the place to, you know, the way that, that, uh, um, a particular, you know, body of water was formed. You can actually see that history, uh, in a lot of ways. And you can see the biodiversity in that place in a lot of ways. I mean, from the point where you, you go from the first 10 feet where light still penetrates well and you see all this life to you get to the next, 10 feet and less and you see the actual ecosystem by, by the time you get to whatever 80 feet you know the ecosystem is completely different than it was at 10 feet and then you get to experience that in reverse right um so it's it's my wild place and i love that and i think something you said really resonates with me you know the, uh, the comfort crisis uh, you know that you've been reading for me one of the most influential books i read was zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance and in yeah. that book, it talks about removing the frame. And I used to, I used to, I say used to because I, I got married and I had three girls and I sold my bike when we bought our first uh, house to get a better interest rate on the house, which was smart. But literally the day that we were um, moving into the house is when my wife found out she was pregnant with our first. And you can imagine the, the plan was sell the bike, buy the house, buy a new bike, right? No big deal. Um, the buy a new bike part of the plan never came to fruition yet. And I used to ride bikes since I was, since I got my driver's license, I rode motorcycles. I love motorcycles because it takes you out of that frame. Like there's, there are a lot of bike riders out there that have now, you know, I've seen them with the GPS and the blasting stereo and all that stuff. And I, like, I wanted none of that. I wanted just me and a mm-hmm. motorcycle on the road. And what do you, what yeah. do you realize in that is as you're cruising along the road, you know, all of a sudden, you know, you hit a little bit of a cold front, you feel it in a car, you feel none of that. Right. Or you drive by yeah. a garlic field and you know, that's garlic in the field because you can smell it right up in Gilroy or wherever it would be. Right. Yep. <laughs> so in, in a car, there's, there's always a, a frame and, and especially in our lives, in a lot of ways, there's a frame called a screen. It has four corners, right? Or four, four sides. And we view life through that, whether it's your phone or your computer or your TV or whatever it is, or peering at life outside from inside out the window, right? The frames of that. Mm-hmm. I think that scuba removes the frame. Yeah, we have, I mean, someone, yeah. some smart ass is going to be like, yeah, but well, you're wearing, uh, you know, you know, goggles. <laughs> like, first of all, it's called a mask. Second of all, not the same, but you're, you're in, you're, you're removing the frame. You know, we have to wear those so that we can actually see because we can't, as human beings can't see them. But you remove that and now you're actually in the scene. You're part of the environment. Like I've had so many interactions with marine life um, that, that are just, if you're willing to be still and be calm under the water, the, I don't know. Like they say dogs can sense your, your emotions. I don't know if that's true about marine life, but some marine life, I would swear, were, were sensing my emotions. Like that, I, hey, I'm calm. I'm cool. Like I've been able to pet fish and they're totally cool with it, right? Like and don't flip out, which is totally weird, but it's cool. And I'm part of the part of like the the environment, right? Or feed them. 
And so to me, like don't being, touch things, please. Don't touch things. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Don't I'm I'm talking about our local spring. Like I just put my hands out and they come by me and I'm like, oh that's cool. Yeah, but don't don't go chasing yeah, after yeah. fish. Um yeah, maybe that was a bad thing to say. But just, I'm saying just have I'm, to put that out there to like, you know, the people that yeah. Do Please don't chase marine life, internet. and I don't. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But- don't chase them and try to grab them and ride them. That's that's not the same thing as being in the environment, right? That's abusing the environment. Um, but I think there's just something to be said about being in the scene, you know, part of that mm-hmm. environment, rather than observing it or seeing pictures of it. Yeah, and that's why, like, I I have yet, and I'm not. This is not a knock on underwater photography in any way, shape, or form. But I have yet to really get into the photography side is because I, f- I feel that frame coming back to me. And I'm like, no, 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 I don't yeah. want that. Um, that's why I don't do a lot of social media as well. It's the same thing. It's like, no, I want to live in this moment, not video the moment or take pictures of the moment. So for me, it's diving me, special. I, I hear you on that. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you on that. I've noticed that since uh, since starting to share sort of more vlog style content that – I mean, I have fun when I do the stuff, but sometimes you're like, oh, I got to, you know, get the angle or like, you know, you're making plans so that the video turns out right. And it's like, man, you got to go out just for funsies too, you know? Um, yeah. yeah, I, I hear you. Yeah. The, the whole videography photography thing can kind of bring it all back. Yeah. Which is, I think beautiful because, you know, I have a really good friend who's a, uh, up and coming photographer. And videographer underwater and man i'm so thankful for the shots and the memories that he's able to right. capture and things and, and that's amazing but i also like he, for him we've had these conversations where it doesn't do that to him like it does to me you know he he already is thinking in that way even when he doesn't have a camera in his hand and um and that's interesting to me it, it becomes like there's three t- styles of diving it's not like ocean lake uh and drift right it's it's like instructor diving <laughs> very different <laughs> there's photography diving and then there's yes diving you know <laughs> which is the rest yeah. of it like fun um and i think you know those three styles like instructor diving is like you're in your brain all the time and you're in you're trying to be in other people's brains right that's just the way it is like yeah you're constantly on swivel photography is probably yeah. the next level down of like yeah you're looking for the shot um but you're still adding the frame in there and then there's the in the in the moment fun diving which requires a lot of other aspects to be out of your way you trust the team you trust who you're with or you trust what what you're doing Uh, but yeah for me diving is so special because it brings you into an environment one that we're not meant to be in or we don't breathe underwater naturally and two that is so even though there's a lot of human um i don't know how best to put this but there is a lot of human impact on our waterways period without getting too preachy despite all of that it still is a frontier right it still is an untouched frontier and naturescape that you just don't get the experience of in everyday life at least for me so that's what makes diving so special to me is is the ability to be in that wild place accepted in that wild place a part of it and then to be able to to experience it from a perspective of of not you know the the notifications and the emails and the you know all that that you I mean you literally can't like I don't know if you've had the experience where you come back to the truck or you come back to you know the shore 
and then you check your phone. You're like, oh, look at all the things I missed. Like, oh, well, like I was diving. I, you don't really care at that moment. But if the phone was yeah. on you for that two hours, three hours, you would have been responding to those things immediately. And it would have been, you know, this, this stress little bubble that comes up. So it just takes you out of all that. And it's, there are very few things I think in life that, at least for me, that can bring you to that place. And diving is mm-hmm. a pathway or a doorway into a very special place, environment, and and mindset um, that diving has really given me. Absolutely. Well, good. So is this is this our love letter to scuba? Like, <laughs> like we love you, scuba. Even though you know there's changes that need to be made to some of these demographics, we still love scuba because of what it provides to us. I think. Absolutely. I mean, I going back to my experience with everything. I mean, I, I originally talked to you guys before. I think the context was my video about quitting as a scuba instructor. Cause I took a full year. Well, not counting like being closed and whatever, but like I didn't renew my instructor fees for one year. Um, and that was intentional because I just, you know, it, it was, it was too much, but I, am now in active status. And it's because, you know, I, you just, you fall in love with this and it doesn't go away. Like, I think most people that get really into diving, the only time that they retire is when their doctor says like, absolutely not. You cannot go diving, (laughs) (laughs) you know, um, it just sticks around and, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah, that's what, and that's when you're looking for the fire sale on gear to go back to the original point of like when someone says I'm out, you're like, hey, uh, there's a gear hole, you hold right there. Yeah, send it to me, <laughs> dude. I when I got back, I needed some gear, and I was so broke, you know, supporting a business in Indonesia and like just everything. It was terrible. I got really awesome gear from Facebook Marketplace. Yeah, see? like from people that had to retire. Yeah. It, great it's great yeah it's great well it's great on one end for for you or for me it's sad on another end that they're retiring but (laughs) but at the same time maybe there's other things in their future right that that it's good for their health not to be diving at that point so it is great for them exactly um all right so will you continue to dive and why um do you want others people to join us or this like our own thing you know like hey we got enough people let's actually drive the 2.5 million divers down rather than up like that's a that's a better for us as diving um and then what to just kind of wrap things up what's your advice if you're if you're out there you know you're getting back into the sport or maybe you're thinking about you know diving for the first time and you're not sure what to do do you have any advice for folks out there yeah uh will i continue to dive absolutely uh you know it's kind of part of my job now you know it's all about the content uh you're diving for content now (laughs) we'll dive for content you have a sign (laughs) i should just put it on the back of my van you know driving around like just just give me a spot on the boat um yeah i mean that's, it's a joke. Obviously I love diving. I'm going to continue to dive, but, um, I'm really excited about how into the type of content that I'm doing now. Like people are really excited about it. They're into it. Um, you know, there's literally like, especially being in Baja right now, I'm in Mexico. Uh, I have met so many YouTubers, like so many, and all of them are, are doing the same thing. It's all like van life, you know, all the things that you can do or like what to 
um, you know, tips on living in a van and all this stuff. And like, when I share with people, oh yeah, I'm a YouTuber. They're like, oh, you're one of those, you know? And I'm like, well, not really. Cause I'm sharing scuba diving and yes, I am bringing in some, some van life stuff, but it's really cool to see how many people are like into that. Like I really, I did my very first series of like van life and scuba diving, uh, traveling the Pacific Northwest. That was my like dive dry road trip. Right. And, uh, I thought I would do a few episodes and no one would watch them. And I would just like, you know, it was going to be my test, you know, and people have gotten so into it. I've built a little community, you know, I have a solid group on Patreon and it's, it's so fun, you know? Um, so outside of like, what I want to keep doing for myself and, you know, like the, the rebreather, um, tryout yesterday was, was mostly for me. I mean, yes, I recorded it, but like, I was really excited to try the Choptima, you know? Um, so I'm definitely always, I'm going to keep going until I can't. Um, and for me, like, yes, I do a lot of solo diving, but my goal for the rest of this year and moving forward is to dive more with people. Like I want to travel places, um, get to know the dive communities in random, you know, like in the middle of Texas, like what's going on there, you know, like get to know people and dive with them. And again, I renewed my instructor certification. So I'm talking to, I'm figuring out the logistics of how to offer PADI courses as I travel around, which is something that I'm really um, looking forward to because, you know, it's, it's a passion of mine to teach. That's why I make these silly videos on YouTube. Um, and as far as like advice for people getting back into it, you know, you, you touched on it already. If you're just starting out, look for that good instructor, you know, find somebody who has experience and they're the type of diver that you want to be and get trained by them. Um, as for like, people who are already certified, getting back into it, finding that knowledgeable dive buddy, you know, that they can trust and, um, you know, learn from as well. I learn all the time from dive buddies. It doesn't have to be a set, you know, course with somebody, you know, we're always learning from each other as long as we're able to open our mind and like ask questions and listen to each other, you know? So I think those are my biggest tips for people and like, just to set a date too. like mm. decide that you're going to get in the water on this date, like agree with somebody else. So you have that, um, what's the word accountability, buddy, accountability. There you go. <laughs> and then you'll actually go because a lot of times, you know, I I'll do it all the time for solo diving, especially for night diving. I'll be like, yeah, I'm totally going to do it. And then it starts to get, you know, towards the end of the day. And I'm like, I don't really want to and like, I'm so cozy and like Abby's here and I could just like hang out with Abby, my dog. Um, and so, you know, setting the date and like deciding to do it, that helps too. Then you get into it and you're like, oh yeah, I remember why I love this so much, you know? Yeah. That's a good point of advice. Yeah. That's a really good one. So my advice, I love your advice. Find a great teacher within your budget. I should have said that earlier within your budget, right? Yeah. Invest in your training, invest in your training. I can't say that enough. Um, invest in your training. Um, if, if you have to make a choice between training and gear, choose training, mm -hmm. right? Gear will come over time. Uh, but I think also 
the advice I have for divers that are either getting back into it or, or thinking about it is, is really that to, to stay in the diving that you love. So if you love being in the cenote, like book that trip, yeah. do it on a budget, right? Um, go, go get in the cenote, do the diving that you love. If you love reef diving, like go find a reef, book the trip, right? You don't, it doesn't have to, you know, cost an arm and a leg, figure out a way to get it, get in the water, right? If you love lake diving, I, you know, like me, like go do it, like go on Tuesday, like come join us. Actually, I think, uh, this week our, or next week our, 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 uh, Tuesday night yeah. dives are coming back up. So we'll be out there every Tuesday night. And so come join that community. Um, and, and dive with us. But really what I see a lot of divers, what, what pushes them away from it, or if you're a, you know, a, a diver that's, has been diving in a long time, the word and the, the view I always see is this comfortability thing that, that although yes, you're a certified diver, you get in the water and you don't feel comfortable, right? Because you're not quite, you can't get to the place that you want to get, or you can't stop, or you can't, you know, you're not quite, you don't really trust your gear or your, you know, all these sorts of things. To me, when I see that, uh, what I see is, is really either you're, you're coming outside of your level of training. And my advice would be stay in your level of training, right? And continue to dive that. Like don't push until you're really comfortable in that, in that spot that you're, you're trained to, or it's that your training maybe wasn't the best for you or needs to be re-upped or, or you need to have it from a different perspective. Uh, I think that a comfortable diver is the diver that continues to dive. An uncomfortable diver, like anything, if you're uncomfortable doing it, you know, drastically uncomfortable. I'd say like time and time again, uncomfortable. Not just that it's your first time diving, you're going to be uncomfortable, period. But if if you're certified and you're not doing it often, it's finding that comfort. I always tell people, go get in a pool. You know, if you haven't been diving in six months, go get in a pool, throw your gear on, you know, someplace where you can just stand up if you need to. Just to build that comfort level again with, with your gear, stay in your level of training and, and get, you know, uh, continue to push on the training. Cause when you're comfortable, that's when your mind then is no longer thinking about your, your BC or thinking about how much gas do I have left or thinking about, you know, like, Oh yeah, I can't stop. I'm going to crash into these people, right? Your brain stops, you know, this critical overload. And then you're in that moment of like, look at this environment wow, how do I feel? What are the sounds around me? And I think when you're uncomfortable, it's very hard to have any, uh, you know, uh, uh, absorb any of that that's around you that makes diving so special. And so if, if, you know, you're getting back into it or you're thinking about getting diving, again, I think investing in training increases your comfortability and then that increases your enjoyment. Um, you know, the, those things are so connected in my mind. So that's my advice, I guess, to, to others if they're getting into it. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's about also being um, humble enough to know when you need that, even if you're very experienced. You know, when I got into dry suit diving, um, I booked a whole, you know, afternoon in the pool to figure out my side mount with the dry suit because Lord knows I had no idea what I, would, I was doing, you know, <laughs> um, obviously I, I did the course and everything, but, um, you know, with side mount, there's a lot of adjustments and everything that you need to, to do. So I think that's a big part of it too, is not just like bulldozing and thinking like, well, I have all of these hours logged in this environment 
you know, so I should be fine. And no, it's like, it's all new. That's what's so cool about diving. There's, I I don't think I will ever know every, you know, like there's just, it's not possible to know everything. Like there's so much to the sport and it can be a learning opportunity your entire life. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I always joke that scuba, and it's not really a joke, it's a fact, but that as soon as you're on the high horse of scuba, like, you get ready for the fall because it's going to happen, right? Because the minute yeah. you're like, oh, yeah, I got this all figured out. And then it's like, boom, you're in you're in a crazy current. You're like, I know nothing. Like, <laughs> I have no idea what I'm doing anymore. Well, and that's and and that's like the, you know, best case scenario. Unfortunately, you know, this is still a serious sport. And people that have that attitude tend to be the ones that have the accidents. Yeah. You know, so it's it's very important to keep that mindset, that beginners, that learning mindset so that you're a safe diver, too. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I think the more that you realize that you don't know and there's lots not to Mm -hmm. know and it's not a it's not it does not make you a bad diver to not know. Right. Um, The more that you accept, look, there are things that I don't know that I haven't trained for that. That look, the pressure might be there for me to know it because, you know, the the Facebook groups all seem to know this, right? Or the, you know, my buddies all know this. Um, there to me, there's never a, a dumb question because again, you're you're really thinking about your enjoy one, you know, yes, your safety, and that's prime primary. But two, safety also equates to enjoyment. And so if you're feeling unsafe, you're not going to enjoy it, right? And you're not going to continue. And so these things are connected in in a lot of ways and and they are in a lot of ways, you know, not putting the, the cart before the horse. So I really enjoy being at 200 feet. Well, okay, but you're on a single tank uh, of of air and this is not good, right? So like there's a difference between safety and, and obviously enjoyment. But when you're safe, you're comfortable. When you're well-trained, you're comfortable. And when you're comfortable, you now open up your sphere of observation, right? And you open up mm-hmm. capacity in your brain to then enjoy what diving really gives you is that, you know, connection to the wild. So good. Um, wow. This has been this has been a good, good first episode. We spent a long time on the demographics, but it was important. I thought it was important to get all that stuff out there. So uh, today we've talked about is scuba diving special? And I think the conclusion we've, we've reached for ourselves is, yeah, it's special for us um, for, for certain reasons. But I think it's also special for in, in general that, uh, you know, only divers can give that view of what the underwater frontier looks like. Like, yeah, now there are as rovers and things, but most of what we know about the underwater world has come from scuba divers. And what's amazing about that is it's a special sport, not only because of the personal side of it, but because of the community aspect and and the frontier that we're exploring. Uh, but that's our thoughts. We want to hear your story. Why do you dive? Like if you're continuing diving, why do you continue to do it? Is it because you know you're feeling pressure into it? You spent all this money on the gear. You better go do it, or is it you really enjoy it? You know, how did you get into? diving and and what about diving is special to you we want to hear from you so reach out to me to sarah however you want we want to hear from you let us know what you think um i can't wait to get those emails and and to hear why diving is special to you here at the end or or at the start of season two here heck yeah 
Season two. Season two. Uh, so <laughs> if you enjoyed this episode and want to be a part of the growing community, you can join us by making sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And um, yeah, turn on those notifications so you don't miss any of the episodes. Yes. And you can check down Sarah AzulUnlimited.com still. Yep. Yep. That's me. Yeah. AzulUnlimited.com. So lots of things to do. Subscribe. A-Z-U-L. A-Z-U-L. Blue in Espanol. See? (laughs) (laughs) Good. All right. Well, thank you for joining us. A special thank you to Sarah for co-hosting this episode. I'm so excited about the next couple that we're going to co-host. It's going to be great. But thank you out there in the Scubaverse for joining us today. And we look forward to having you back on the next episode of The Dive Table. Ciao. The Dive Table is a production of Fish Dive Surf Incorporated and a member of the Fish Dive Surf Podcast Network. You can find out more at www.fishdivesurf.com. 